Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar. Chapter 11. Cherry, Emily, Hayes, and Claire were together in their shared bedroom in two minutes flat following Sir Charles' dramatic and vague threats. Upon entering their room, Claire pulled out her laptop to look at the camera footage. However, there was some bad news waiting for them. Fuck, someone turned off the living room camera, Claire gasped, staring at a black screen. Twenty minutes ago, the camera went black. We still have audio, right? Cherry questioned. Yes, but it'll probably be useless. Claire moved the file forward so they could listen. They heard the sounds of Sir Charles mumbling to himself, the sound of the thud against Sir Charles' head, and the cries of Sir Charles. It was only about 30 seconds after the thud that the first few people arrived. Claire was soon on the line with Battery. Ah, see, we ran out of video storage, Battery sighed, which caused the whole room to groan. Well, I guess fucking clear all of it now anyway, Claire rolled her eyes. Geez, how much data is this ticking up? Like, three gigabytes? Yeah, like per five minutes. Well, don't we have better storage or data or whatever? Ma'am, you don't approve that in the budget. Claire looked deeply offended by Battery and was about to say something, but noticed the sounds-like-you smirks from her three investigators. Claire dropped the call and turned to her colleagues with a bottom lip bite. If Sir Charles asks about the footage, we're telling him that someone broke the camera and we're adding the price to his bill. Excellent idea, Emily said, in a tone that didn't sound like she thought it was an excellent idea. So who were among the first people to arrive? Cherry asked. It was me and Charles Jr., and I know it wasn't Charles Jr. How do you know that? Hayes asked, looking a bit confused. Because I was with him, talking. Talking? Emily laughed. <laughs> yeah, with your vaginal lips, I assume. Excuse me? Cherry gasped. Why would you think that's what happened? Well, did something different happen? Emily's question caused Cherry to pause for too long. Hayes, Emily, and Claire all guffawed for a gotcha moment. Isn't that man married? Claire said, pondering on the situation. Well, it's an open marriage. Oh, good. I know you're open to those, Emily pointed out. Meanwhile, back to the suspects, Cherry asked the group, who had calmed down. Lindsay got there quickly, as did Beatrice. Lindsay had the biggest motive, if you think about it. No young girl in her 20s really wants to sleep with someone in their 80s. 60s? Maybe if he looks good. 70s? Maybe if she has a grandpa fetish, but Sir Charles looks like the 1960s. I talked with Lindsay, but didn't get much out of it. Emily shook her head. I could only get so far. She's not that bright, which to me is a sign that she's not smart enough to commit this crime. Sure, do I think Lindsay is using grandpa to suck him dry and float her financial interests and her event planning skills? Yes. Do I see Lindsay even knowing how to kill her husband, let alone doing it? No. That's not surprising, Emily. You only respect smart women, like me. Cherry said to a room that went silent. There was no one willing to back that sentence up or deny it either. You talked with Charles Jr. How did that go? Hayes asked Cherry, moving the conversation along like a DJ with a new track. Charles Jr. doesn't seem to be the one behind it. Cherry shook her head. After all, he's like Beatrice. He's successful. He doesn't need the money. He didn't seem that concerned about his father till now, though. And besides, we were having sex during the attack. He wasn't behind that attack, at least. Well, choking on scones does seem more of an accident than old people would face. Claire sighed. So we got no video, and we have bad audio. That means who can we account for besides Charles Jr.? 
I was with cousin Shirley and Marcus and Rio at the pool, Hayes informed. Emily was gone by that point. I want someplace alone, so I can't account for anyone, Emily shrugged. I spent way too much time talking to Beatrice and got super annoyed. I usually can talk to like 10 people a day, and talking to Beatrice was like talking to 10 people all at once. You were alone? You were supposed to be looking into people, Claire gasped. I was staying in character, and my character didn't want anything to do with anyone. Fine. Claire didn't like the loophole, but let it be. I personally was in the kitchen getting a snack, so the only person I saw was one of the cousins we're not looking into. So you basically were alone too, Emily pointed out. Unless the leftover dinner pastry puffs are suspects now? Claire was as close to snapping on Emily as how close two larger individuals at a buffet with limited crab legs would be. So that means Lindsay's our prime suspect, Sherry looped back to her earlier point. We also need to talk with Sir Charles alone. How are we going to do this? Claire asked. I think we'll have to wait till morning, Hayes butt in. Perhaps Cherry and Emily can handle Lindsay while Claire and I talk with Sir Charles? With a plan set, the four of them got to sleep and woke up with crystalline light. For some reason, it felt nicer to wake up in a rich household than a regular poor house. When you wake up in your regular house, the sun doesn't shine as well, Cherry admitted to the room. Weird, aren't you usually waking up in other men's bedrooms? Emily genuinely suggested. Unlike the coffee and donut that Cherry might have for breakfast, Watershed Manor had a bunch of omelets, egg benedicts, and steaks. There was an untouched salad next to an exotic fruit spread, a decked-out pastry cart, and pre-mixed mimosas. Remember the goals of talking to Lindsay and Sir Charles? Claire said, while eyeing the mimosas before going for it. Her voice had lost command as the sentence went, having been sidelined by free bottomless top-tier booze. Did those goals include having a mimosa? Emily eyed. If being alone by yourself is undercover, then I get to be undercover with a mimosa, or ten, Claire countered. It was pretty easy to get Lindsay on her own. Most of the family seemed to straight up ignore the twenty-something who had married Sir Charles. Whether they didn't like Lindsay in general, or specifically thought she was a hussy, was an answer up for grabs. Lindsay was like a puppy starved for attention, and with a plate full of high-end brunch items, Cherry approached her. Emily was behind Cherry with her plate that had five differently cooked eggs upon it. How are you? Cherry asked to Lindsay. After last night with Sir Charles being attacked and all. I'm fine. Lindsay sounded a bit worried, but her face was lit up with happiness. Someone had finally come over to talk to her on her little leper island where no family member wanted to tread. I wasn't taking Sir Charles' claims of murder seriously until last night. Everyone slips on stairs, falls in tubs. And who hasn't had a rough scone? But that bump on his head. How can you explain that? You can explain it, Emily nodded. Someone is trying to kill Sir Charles. It's almost like people don't understand Sir Charles's will. Lindsay rolled her eyes. It's not like you get more money for actually killing him. If it was like that, this place would be Fortnite or something. This was Lindsay's idea of a joke. But Cherry and Emily crushed and rolled over that joke like a Chinese tank in Tiananmen Square. So if a person was trying to murder Sir Charles, it would have to be someone who needs the money right now, Cherry said out loud, almost making it seem like it was Lindsay's idea. Exactly, Lindsay said, biting into her eggs benedict and letting egg yolk dribble down her sides. So who would that be? Emily probed. Well, it's not me. Sir Charles funds practically everything I do in life, Lindsay smiled. I don't know about the others, 
particularly because most of the family doesn't talk to me. But I know Sir Charles is always helping the family out financially. If anything, they would want Sir Charles to live. That way they can get a little coin out of him. If he died, then all those special funds dry up. Jerry and Emily eyed each other. They had considered Lindsay pretty daft, but she had raised a good point. Nobody on the will needed the money, and those who were being paid by Sir Charles would want him alive. This was quite the conundrum. Jerry and Emily talked with Lindsay for a few minutes. Lindsay told the duo about her event management company she had just started, no doubt with Sir Charles' backing. When Lindsay went off to check on the pastry table, Jerry and Emily quickly held their own little powwow. It doesn't sound like Lindsay has it in her to murder. On top of that, why would she want Sir Charles dead? She gets so much more from him alive than dead. I was wondering if it's an act, Emily told Cherry. Maybe she really is trying to kill him. So we feel like medium on her? I'd say so, Emily nodded. She seems to have the clearest motive, but she feels innocent to me. And she made a good point about the money. The family members receiving Sir Charles' investments wouldn't want to kill Sir Charles. If anything, they might give Sir Charles an organ just for a bi-weekly check. We're getting nowhere closer to figuring out who's behind this. But we are getting closer to being full on this delicious breakfast food. Cherry pointed her fork to her plate. This brie, asparagus, and raspberry omelette oh, is out of this world. Across the room, Claire and Hayes had privately pulled Sir Charles into the library. The same library where Cherry and Charles Jr. had banged. The three of them were sitting on the bang-bang couch, although ignorant to that fact. Do you know anything about what happened yesterday? Claire asked. We have some audio of the attack, but that's not helping us. Rats, Sir Charles said. Oh, that reminds me. I'd love to have a pet rat in the future, although I suppose the person trying to kill me is a rat. Well, once we figure out who it is, maybe I can force them to be my pet rat. Let's stay on task, Hayes asked, while Claire tried to recover from not appearing disturbed. What do you remember from yesterday? I don't remember much of anything, Sir Charles confessed. I was in the living room, about to rest for a second, and then, bam, I was on the floor. I was hurt, I was screaming. A figure ran out of the room. Claire almost rolled her eyes, but then remembered this was a rich client, and kept her eyeballs dead center. Did you tell anyone about us investigating who was killing you? Hayes questioned. I don't think so, Sir Charles muttered. Maybe I let it slip, but I'm usually good about not telling people important news. Have you seen anything suspicious? Claire concluded with, a bit upset at the brick wall they had come across. I have, Sir Charles said, bending over to whisper. Lindsay should have added a carved rose for this brunch. What a wasted opportunity. Speaking of Lindsay, do you think it's possible she's behind this? Claire casually pointed out. Oh no. Sir Charles shook his head. Maybe in ten years she'll want to kill me, but she loves me. I also know it's not her because she doesn't bake food. She's an event planner. Well, maybe she bought the scones, Claire suggested. And whoever hit me yesterday had a ton of strength, Sir Charles pointed out. Lindsay is very weak. She can't lift things. And even last night in the bedroom she was so tired that she passed out the second she touched the bed. Claire and Hayes once again eyed each other. Well, let me know if you have any more questions, Sir Charles said, taking a minute to stand up and shuffle out the door. I have to go make sure that Lindsay has a roast for dinner. That will make up for the brunch. Chapter 12 Glad to know that Sir Charles' biggest concern is that there's no roasted animals at the brunch, Hayes joked, after the four staff members of the Lorraine Investigative Services had gathered together once more. 
We're getting nowhere with this whole investigation. I feel like I'm on a date with a ten. You usually peek with women who are fives, Emily pointed out. We better get somewhere, Claire hissed in a tone reserved for the snakes. We got a ton of money ready on us fighting out who's behind this. So what are we going to do? Cherry looked between her colleagues as if an obvious answer was going to hit them in the face. We got nothing on nobody, and for all we know, Sir Charles fell and hit his own head in the living room. They squabbled between themselves for a minute before getting a call from Battery, their IT man. Hey guys, I just picked up on some audio, Battery muttered over the line. The first wife, I forget her name. Cynthia, Emily remembered, being the only true intellectual of the group. Well, she just said something really fishy. She was talking with her daughter Beatrice's husband, Tyler. Send us the audio now, Claire asked, and a few minutes later they were listening to audio and video of Cynthia and Tyler Smith. I mean, I'm not against someone murdering Sir Charles, Cynthia's voice said on the audio. There was a laugh, and then Cynthia backtracked a bit. Just kidding, that would be terrible. Cynthia doesn't seem to think that it's terrible, Claire muttered. The audio rolled as Tyler Smith laughed it off and changed the subject awkwardly. Okay, here's the plan. Claire eyed everyone individually. I'll confront Cynthia, Emily can talk with Tyler Smith, and Hayes can distract Beatrice if he needs to. And what about me? Cherry asked, eyes raised. You didn't give me a task. I wouldn't worry about it, Claire sighed. Maybe go treat yourself to a drink at the bar? The four exited the room and Cherry did as she was instructed and decided to self-pour a vodka water. While alone in the kitchen, heels on linoleum clicked, which made Cherry look up to see Samantha Greer Worthington. Samantha was the wife of Charles Jr., the same man who Cherry had most recently poked in the library. So, you slept with my husband? Samantha muttered, which caused Cherry to slightly spill the vodka. Oh dear, you, you made me spill precious booze, Cherry chuckled, although part of her was aghast and whore that booze was a victim. That doesn't answer my statement? Samantha's eyes narrowed a bit more. Listen, Charles Jr. told me you're in an open marriage. Well, he lied to you because Charles Jr. is a pig, Samantha snapped. You got fooled by the stupidest trick in the book for a married man to say they're in an open marriage. For your information, I wasn't going to sleep with him at all until he said he was in an open relationship. Besides, open relationships are the thing right now. You slut. Samantha snapped. You're lucky that Charles Jr. and his family is loaded. He can cheat all he wants. I've got a cushy life, and I'm cheating on him too, with a much more handsome, romantic, and sexually pleasing man. I just figured I'd tell you that my husband's a liar, and I wanted to make sure you knew you were a slut. Jerry eyed Samantha before pressing the nuclear option. So are you the one trying to kill Sir Charles? Do you want more money for your cushy life? I'm not trying to kill Sir Charles, and I doubt anyone else is either. Samantha's tone reeked of, not this conversation again. You don't know Sir Charles the way I know Sir Charles? He's a womanizing little rich dick boy who's more dramatic than the entire state's worth of drama students. He's just getting older. And instead of admitting to his ego that there are limitations due to his age, he's blaming it on murder. So you're telling me you didn't try and murder Sir Charles? I am. Samantha stood up a bit taller at her confirmation. Besides, I was asleep yesterday and I can prove it. How? Because my husband, who you slept with, can back it up. He woke me up after coming into our house and smelling like whore, Samantha spat. Is there anything else, or do you want to continue judging me? Jerry couldn't help the loaded irony in Samantha's sentence. I'm good for now, 
Cherry tossed back to her before Samantha left the way she had come. Meanwhile, Hazen needed to distract Beatrice. It had been easy, since all Beatrice needed was to be asked a poignant question about herself. So now Beatrice was telling Hayes all about her collection of butterflies. Meanwhile, Emily had gotten to Tyler. I heard Cynthia talk about how she wouldn't mind if Sir Charles was dead. Emily muttered, Do you think she's the one behind the attempts on Sir Charles' life? No, I think she was joking, Tyler said meekly. It was really evident that Beatrice kept Tyler on a short leash. His entire presence seemed to reek of fear. Emily poked Tyler a few times, but he remained convinced it was just a joke. Tyler seemed a bit nervous, too, but Emily wrote it off as personality rather than admission. Claire did more than poking, and Cynthia grew a bit upset at the accusation. I get what you're doing. Cynthia glared at Claire, as if Claire had refused to accept Cynthia's coupon at the cash register. And I won't allow it? Allow what? Allow you to slander me like this? So if I want to search house with this information, you'd think he'd be happy? You wouldn't dare, Cynthia threatened. You're too stupid to do that. Minutes later, Claire was showing the audio and video to Sir Charles, who had been enjoying a Tom Collins in solitude on his private personal porch. It appeared hosting a family reunion was proving to be too much for socialization, even for the host of the hour. Dare say, host of the weekend. This is outrageous! Sir Charles roared out loud to the room like he was trying to showcase pizzazz. Where is this vile woman? She was downstairs when I last saw her. Claire sold out Cynthia without a second thought, like dropping off shitty donations at Goodwill that otherwise would have been thrown out. With the immediate speed of a jaguar, Sir Charles was leaving the porch and hustling to see Cynthia. He hadn't even felt the need to bring along his cane, walker, or any other apparatus to aid his movement. Is this a good idea? Emily asked, eyeing Claire with skepticism. This feels like the time you told off the wrong suspect at that bank on West 117th. That was the wrong play, Claire admitted, but telling Sir Charles this info can't be worse than the time Cherry decided to promise sexual favors to the cops for information on that case you did last month. Oh, it wasn't for the information, Cherry raised her finger in a wagging motion, as if she was educating her dog, which had shed on the rug. I just wanted to sleep with that one cop. He was hot. Chapter 13 Without chirping on the carpet, Sir Charles bolted to the bedroom given to Cynthia for the weekend. She was alone, perhaps getting ready for the upcoming dinner. Sir Charles entered the room like a big bad wolf ready to blow down his own watershed manor. What is this? Cynthia asked Sir Charles, Claire, and the other family members who had gathered. It was clear that Cynthia knew exactly what this was. Would you care to tell me if you were trying to kill me? Sir Charles asked. His voice was sharp and biting, as if he was now 1,000% convinced she was murderous. There hadn't even been a trial. They were now at the execution. Did Tyler tell you that I said I wouldn't mind if you were dead? Cynthia demanded. It was a joke, Charles. God, I was trying to lighten the mood. God knows our daughter doesn't make it easy for that man to have fun. Lighten the mood? More like heavy your pockets with my money. Jerry, Emily, Claire, and Hayes eyed each other at the terribleness of that wordplay. I'm married to a successful doctor, so I don't need your money? Cynthia rolled her eyes. You divorced me over my money, Sir Charles immediately countered. Lord knows I had to shell out a couple million. No, I divorced your saggy ass because you were cheating on me with Georgina. Don't blame Georgina, Sir Charles spat. She's not the one trying to kill me. I didn't try and kill you. I just made a bad joke. Just like your facelift is a bad joke, I presume, Sir Charles asked in a venom tone. You bastard! Cynthia moved forward and smacked Sir Charles across the face. Sir Charles moved to hit Cynthia, but he was too slow. I want you out of here, you murdering bitch! 
Sir Charles cried out like a child in tantrum. Perfect, there's no reason to stay anyway. The door to the bedroom, which was wide open, had now brought a few people, including Cynthia and Sir Charles' son, Marcus. Dad, Mom, what's going on? Marcus asked, trying to keep his dramatic tone to a straight minimum. Your mom is the one who tried to murder me, Sir Charles informed, his information spreading like wildfire among the gathered family members. Mom, is that true? Marcus asked, while Rio did a dramatic gasp in the background as if a chaise lounge was available. It's not true. I just made a bad joke, and now I'm being treated like a criminal? Cynthia crossed her arms in a huff, as if she was protesting something important, like the ill treatment of the Chinese labor force or South African apartheid. Sir Charles, however, had a light bulb go off over his head and dramatically gasped. You were arrested for shoplifting in 1983, Sir Charles accused. It was you at Macy's, and you, you tried lifting that shawl. So maybe murder is simply just an escalation for you? I didn't try and murder you. Mom, were you arrested for shoplifting? Marcus looked like someone had told him he was adopted. The sales clerk got it wrong, Cynthia snorted, as if the memory was too pathetic to talk about in the first place. The case got thrown out in court. Only because I paid a lawyer to get it thrown out. Sir Charles' hysterics were whipped into a frenzy more than a 2003 Black Friday Walmart spree where people literally died. Get over it, Cynthia coolly whispered, and get over the idea that I tried to kill you. Because I didn't. You're guilty to me and this is my house, Sir Charles said in a nonchalant manner that implied that Cynthia was out of luck. Yeah, you're guilty of being a pig. Cynthia finished packing up and pushed by everyone. The entire entourage followed Cynthia like paparazzi on an A-level celebrity. I don't want to see you ever again, and you best believe I'm taking you out of my will, Sir Charles spat. Dad, I don't think she was being serious. Marcus finally chimed in with something useful. Well, she ought to take this seriously, like the time she tried suing that salon for ruining her hair. Remember that lawsuit, Cynthia? It cost me a fortune. Don't act like you wouldn't have done the same thing? Cynthia shot back at Sir Charles in a gunfight of Caucasian privilege. I remember when you threatened to report our neighbors for having tall grass. I will not have tall grass in this neighborhood. I pay too much around here. Cynthia opened the front door and turned to the small crowd of family members who were now gathered in the foyer. I didn't try killing Sir Charles, but whoever it is, I wish you luck. I wish you luck when it comes to not being a bitch, Sir Charles snapped back before the giant front entrance doors closed. Cynthia had tried slamming the manor doors, but the doors proved to be a bit too big to have a loud sound effect. Well, it looks like the case was solved. Everyone back to rest and relaxation. Sir Charles explained to the room like he hadn't just played a game of witch hunt in the foyer. Worthington family members slowly trickled out, although some looked a bit skeptical of the whole event. Moments later, back in Sir Charles' bedroom, Claire offered her two cents on the situation. Sir Charles, I think it might be a bit premature to suggest that Cynthia is the one behind the attacks, Claire began, but Sir Charles shook his head. It feels right, you know. I just have that suspicion about her. Sir Charles was more stuck in his opinion than a member of the KKK. I see. Claire was doing her best to remember that this was her client and not her employee, which meant that she couldn't yell at Sir Charles. But the killer could be somewhere else. We must keep being vigilant. Of course be vigilant, Sir Charles said in a tone that implied that Claire and her detectives need not to be vigilant. After a somewhat too nonchalant conversation with Sir Charles, Cherry, Emily, Hayes, and Claire gathered in their bedroom for a powwow. What's the chance that Cynthia was behind the murders? Claire asked the room at large. I think unlikely, Cherry shook her head. After all, could Cynthia have even raised a weapon and knocked Sir Charles over? You watched her try and slam that front door on the way out.
The group recapped how Cynthia struggled to close the doors to make a proper exit sound. You know what we need to do? Emily spoke up. We need alibis. Of this weekend? Hayes asked with a raised eyebrow. No, of when the actual attack started. Emily moved to a whiteboard and drew out a calendar. Sir Charles said last month, on the 24th, he almost tripped on the staircase. Two weeks ago on the 7th, he almost fell in the shower due to someone placing their own brand of shampoo in the bath. This last Monday afternoon, he almost choked to death in a scone. And then last night, the living room incident. I see what you mean, Emily. Claire nodded, looking at the calendar. We need to see if people were around on all these dates. How do we do that without looking suspicious? Hayes asked the room. Is it time to break our characters? Jerry asked. And maybe we just interrogate people? No, I think we work backwards, Claire muttered. We need to know who could have done that living room attack. And then we can see if we can tie them back to the scone incident. Okay, we should get on it then. Cherry did a cheerleader pose to motivate the room. I'll tackle Charles Jr., Marcus, and Cousin Ricky. They all love me. I guess I'll handle Beatrice since I have a rapport with her, Emily sighed, knowing that she hated both Beatrice and the rapport. And I can handle Lindsay in my sleep. I can handle Cousin Shirley, Hayes quickly added, which leaves... Not much, Claire shrugged. I suppose Georgina and Fiona, Sir Charles' two middle wives. The four split up, and Cherry immediately went to find Cousin Ricky, who she felt was the easiest to talk to. Cousin Ricky was sitting by the pool with a book. Question for you. Where were you last night? Cherry asked with her sweet voice. Well, I was at the pool party. We talked for a bit, and then I think you left? Ah, gotcha. Cherry did remember leaving the pool party and seeing Ricky there. Can anyone, like, verify that? That I was at the pool all night? Well, you can. I mean, after I left. Cherry said with a quick edit of herself. Well, there's a photo that I took last night. Cousin Ricky pulled out his phone and showed a selfie, taken a couple minutes before Sir Charles' attack. All right, thanks so much. Cherry smiled. You all right, Viv? Yeah, just curious. Cherry waved goodbye and promised to see Cousin Ricky for dinner. She moved on to Marcus and Rio, who were enjoying cocktails in the movie room. Question? Cherry asked. Last night, where were you guys when Sir Charles was attacked? Oh, we were having some... Marcus paused and clasped the hand over his mouth, as if he had given away the secret password. Marcus then corrected himself and smoothed out his shirt before continuing with his sentence. Social conversation in the bathroom. Social conversation? Cherry raised her eyebrow. Rio looked at Cherry and mouthed the word sex. Oh, see, Sir Charles is asking around and trying to figure out who might have killed him. I figured I'd check in. Do you have any proof that you were having um, a social conversation? Um, you can ask my cousin Denise. She said she heard everything. Marcus snarkily sexually chuckled. All our talking. Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar. 